0: I think people should have personalities um, more than personal brands, and I think people should probably have reputations more than um, content strategies.
1: Hey there, James here, and you're listening to the Own the Moment podcast, the show where we explore the complex and always evolving landscape of marketing, advertising, and branding, and try to get to the bottom of what it means to be a truly memorable brand. The On The Moment podcast is brought to you by Como Technologies, a self-service, complete customer engagement platform that helps you cut through the noise to truly connect with your customers and retain and grow those connections over time. With Como, you can build and deploy new campaigns, activations, promotions, and programs in days, not months. And our software is used by some of the world's biggest consumer brands from Heineken to Budget, Goodman Fielder, Foxtel, JLL, Williams Racing, and McDonald's. Learn more at como.tech. This week, we're talking to Tom Goodwin, one of the most prominent thinkers and commentators on marketing, branding, and business going around. Tom posts candid thoughts and sometimes contrarian opinions multiple times a day to over 700,000 followers on LinkedIn and consults many of the Fortune 500 brands on innovation, technology, and transformation. Tom describes himself as an optimistic futurist and is a bit of an expert on the topic of disruption. Even if you haven't heard of Tom, you've probably heard one of his most famous quotes. It's the one that goes like, Uber, the world's biggest taxi company owns no vehicles. Airbnb, the world's largest accommodation provider owns no property. That was Tom. And I think that gives a real insight into what Tom is good at, making sense of what is really going on and what it means for businesses and brands. We had an engaging chat about some of the biggest macro trends affecting brands and marketing teams today. From AI to TikTok, the metaverse and social purpose. I hope you find it valuable. Let's get to the show. Tom Goodwin, welcome to the On The Moment podcast. Thanks for having me on the show. So on your website, you say that you're an optimistic about what technology means for business and society tell me in a time where technology is scapegoated as the uh the root of all of our problems you know give me the give me the uh the bull case for being long technology
0: i mean there's a long track record of technology bringing um incredible improvements to literally every single aspect of our lives um and it's extraordinary to me that it's become quite so fashionable to be miserable um, it's become almost normal to see how everything can go wrong. Um, it's become quite normal to discount every single form of progress that's been made um, and only focus on the areas where improvements are yet to be made. Um, so, yeah, I think I think somehow we've got into this quite strange mindset. I mean, there's lots to discuss on this, and so maybe we will. But I, th- I think part of it is that, um, you know, if there was one sort of core problem, I think, Um, that there is, it's that often the technology specialists are perhaps those least likely to empathize with normal people and normal people's um, problems. And we've we've almost got the sort of misapplication of technology onto some of the wrong problems, I think, maybe.
1: Mm, Interesting. Uh, Do you find yourself over time and as you get older becoming less or more optimistic? About technology?
0: Yeah, um, I don't think it changes. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely always optimistic about technology. I think perhaps I slowly become slightly more worried about people um, and our ability to misapply this technology and to use it in slightly the wrong ways. Um, in particular, I'm slightly worried about our lack of, 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 of thinking about the future and predicting quite obvious problems. Um, You know, a tiny example, and I may be slightly wrong with this, but, you know, EVs are obviously very interesting, have enormous potential and can make a huge difference to how our our future is. You know, but people aren't really thinking about the implications of, um, you know, that level of of waste to be recycled. They're not thinking about improvements to the power grid. Uh, They're not thinking about how household economics um, are such that most households won't be able to afford these for some time. I'm just sort of quite surprised by the lack of um, discernment and sort of deep thought about some of this stuff.
1: Mm. I, I guess there's a there's a natural segue there into the topic on everyone's minds right now, which is AI. And I see you've been <laughs> tweeting and posting a lot about AI. Tell me yeah. from a from a sort of marketing. Yeah, put, let's put aside the is AI going to kill us? Uh, <laughs> topic. That's probably yeah. a you know that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Tell me f- yeah. for for brands and marketers. Tell me where. What does this all mean?
0: Uh, I mean, I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I probably haven't been thinking about it for long enough. Um, I keep on coming back to the general conclusion that it probably won't change that much, Um, mainly because what we do is mainly focused on being utterly brilliant. Um, You know, producing average content doesn't really help that much. Making average content cheaper um, doesn't help that much. Um, What we kind of try to do is to operate in the the world of the remarkable. Um, You know, I've worked on many ad campaigns where we might have hour long meetings to discuss the color of the T-shirt that someone wears in a commercial for a a, a cell phone. Um, And the reason we did that was because, you know, a hundred million dollars would be spent on media for it. And therefore it would seem a little bit strange to not really think about every single part of that process. Um, and it was still a lot cheaper to make a great ad for a million dollars and to spend a hundred million dollars on, on promoting it than to make a average ad for $5 um, and then spend a lot more money on media to make up for that. Um, so I, I keep on trying to look at the places where it could help. Um, and generally, so I think there's a whole area within the data that companies have um, where there's Perhaps something there um but i tend to think by and large that a lot of what people say about data isn't particularly true Uh, there are lots of sort of sentences that roll off the tongue quite nicely so people talk about data-driven insights you know people talk about um the power of ingesting huge corpuses of data and how from all of that data you can sort of glean you know actionable insights and then I kind of think about it, and I think actually most of the data that we have is kind of wrong. It's sort of measured in different ways. It's quite um, messy, you know. And obviously AI can help improve the quality of the data, but I am still not entirely sure that we actually get that much from it. Um, it's quite boring, but I have I have a sort of book, and I, I sell it. Um, you know, it's it's probably a proper sort of published book, but you can buy it from my my personal website. Uh, and I did that to get data on on the sorts of people that that bought it, and you know I can probably do things like um look at that database and sort of figure out that people in Australia are more likely to buy it than people from Iraq or something um But I'm not really sure what I get from it like um, i'm not I'm not entirely convinced that within that 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 spreadsheet of information I can actually learn that much, and I think people think that there's there's more to it than there is.
1: Mm, that's interesting. So, uh, something that you said, you you um, you introduced me to a word that I'd never heard before in in one of your talks. It was chronocentrism. Oh yeah, yeah. A, a, a brilliant word, and it's it's a, it's this idea that we you know perceive ourselves to be living in an era of I guess heightened importance. But something that you said, which relates to to that, is this idea that, and you had this great line. You said, you know, most of us still come home from work, pet our dogs, clean the dishes, and watch TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think. You know, there's something, too, that isn't there in, in terms of building brands and, and I guess, advertising and, and marketing, which is, you know, for all of the technological changes, all the, all the instincts and all the human nature stays the same.
0: Yeah, and that's not to be so miserable. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you started off this podcast by talking about my optimism because I'm extremely optimistic about technology. I think technology creates radical change in our lives. Um, I think it just takes a lot longer than people realize. Um, So, you know, for all the talk of of AI, you know, it's unlikely to imagine the world changing that much in the next 10 years because of it. Um, Change takes longer. Um, Change happens in different places to where you expect. Um, It takes certainly a long time to filter through to some demographics um but above all else um our job is mainly to focus on on human nature um and while human nature may manifest itself in different ways ultimately it doesn't change you know you may you may go from newspaper dating um to video dating to Um, online dating to dating apps but people are still trying to procreate Um, you might go from drawing pictures of yourself on oil paintings to taking selfies but it's still the same you know fashion may change but the purpose of fashion doesn't change and I think we become so obsessed with the narrative of change that I think um, we forget that you know, if there, if there was a sort of uh, an image recognition camera that's scanned around this living room I'm in right now, you know, you would probably find the 99% of the pixels that are in it are of things that have existed for a long time. You know, the TV might have gone from a sort of bulbous, you know, cathode ray tube one to a slightly expensive LED one. But again, that doesn't change that much. And I think it's quite a useful framework to go through life and to actually spend a lot of time focusing on what's, diff, what's not different and, and what are the changes that really matter? You know, because it, it may be that you can I don't know, jump on an electric scooter in downtown Melbourne or it may be that you can um, get a d- drone delivery of a prescription in one part of Rwanda. Um, but actually, what are those changes? Um, what, which of those changes is really significant to the way that we do business?
1: Mm. There's something powerful in the sort of focus on the things that don't change, I think, particularly yeah. for advertising and storytelling and marketing. That that seems like a very clear takeaway. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Not very sexy, though, is it? I guess on that topic, no, 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 no. We, we love a good, uh, <laughs> a good slogan, just like the politicians. Um, you, you, you said something on LinkedIn the other day, and I can't remember the context of where you put it. And I actually don't know where the quote comes from. So maybe you can help me with the uh, with the attribution. But you said... Um, something along the lines of, you know, brands want to be people and people (laughs) want to be brands. Um, Do you know where that comes from and and what do you you sort of mean by that? Um,
0: I I don't I should put a bit more effort into finding it, but I think it was a tweet that I read about eight years ago. Um, And it's just extraordinary. I mean, because it is true. Um, I mean, there are obviously two elements to it. One is the, you know, this era of the personal brand um, has made people perform in quite strange ways. Um and LinkedIn is probably quite a good example of that. Um I have to be a little bit careful because you know I I do very well out of LinkedIn and the reason why we're talking is because of of LinkedIn. So um I would hope that I'm not performing. I would hope that it's just my personality and my view that happens to be sort of extruded through a screen. But you see a lot of sort of people who've obviously got their own content calendars who are obviously sort of taking pictures of of them in a warehouse one day. Um and I think it's just a little bit strange because I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people actually don't have that much to say. Um, a lot of people aren't particularly interesting. A lot of people do have a lot to say, but they can't say it because they're, they're worried about um, being um, too well noticed. Um, and I think we're losing quite a lot of authenticity in a way. Um, I think people should have personalities um, more than personal brands, and I think people should probably have reputations um more than um content strategies um and then the the flip to this is that yeah all these brands are kind of you know a sort of uh, toilet scrubber you know say hello to your favorite toilet scrubber uh, <laughs> you know I, I don't really have that <laughs> i don't really have that sort of relationship with my cleaning products um you know we we somehow sort of expect brands to have opinions on things you know what does um what does my shampoo think about the uh, ukraine war um you know how can my Trousers sort of get behind the movement for, um, you know, treating younger people better or whatever. Um, And I think it's got a little bit strange because, you know, it's unlikely that when we go shopping, we're able to really ingest and understand all of these brands' opinions on stuff. Um, And actually, companies need to behave in very appropriate ways. Companies should be thinking about how they treat their workers and sustainable practices. But I think it's all become a little bit. Um, strange and it's become a sort of marketing thing rather than a, a sort of operations thing.
1: Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that was a very natural segue into, so I did want to bring up the concept of ESG today. So what did you make of the um, the World Cup? I guess from a mm. uh, the obvious optics question, but maybe more sort of from that commercial, obviously a lot of brands jumped on the opportunity to sort of counter position. Um, and, and what do you see are sort of the risks and rewards with I guess what you might call sort of purpose i mean there', there a lot of marketing there are a lot of
0: risks because often these things are very um thin um declarations of sort of vague feelings um they're very superficial. And they're quite often quite disingenuous, you know. So it's highly likely that most companies that say, you know, we stand for women, it's highly likely that when you look into their um, payroll structure, you find that women are sort of disadvantaged. Um, it's highly likely that companies that are saying, you know, we want to make the world a better place are probably still somewhat rooted in, you know, telling women they're not attractive enough, um, selling skin whitening cream. Um, you know, there's there's lots of um, sort of two-facedness about it. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really important thing that companies do the right thing. And I think it's great that there's a sort of renewed focus on holding companies to account. Um, but I think it has to be done in a way which is much more significant and real um, and at and, and a, a sort of operational level. Uh, a good example, really, is, you know, there's lots of, um, you know, I think uh, H&M. So sorry to pick a sort of local company for you. But, you know, H&M, you know, do a good job about talking about how they sort of use recycled materials. Um, But ultimately, it's a kind of company rooted in fast fashion and this idea that clothes aren't going to last that long. Um, Ultimately, you know, if you really wanted to sort of reduce the waste profile for a company like H&M, the strategy probably is to make products that last a bit longer, uh, to not get behind this relentless sort of need to update your wardrobe, uh, to make clothes that are sort of more mendable. Uh, and they do, you know, they'll they'll have a sort of, I think in the Stockholm branch, they had a sort of area where you could get other clothes um, mended because they realized that people probably wouldn't pay to get their, you know, H&M clothes mended. Um, so I, I just kind of wish there was a little bit more thoroughness and a little bit less cynicism in some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, it's certainly a sort of a big dilemma where... I guess just to take the other side of that for the sake mm. of the discussion, it is sort of, it's, you know, it's it's what's the alternative to that sort of, I guess you might call it sort of, you know, ambitious, purpose-driven, yeah. you know, what should, and, and we shouldn't pick on one, but, you know, what should a fast fashion retail brand do, um, you know, is it to drop everything and start again or, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I see that there's a, a, a clear dilemma there.
0: Yeah, it's a fair challenge. I mean, I I think about paper straws quite a lot where I kind of, um, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that paper straws are a massive distraction that, you know, compared with some of the big problems in the world, they sort of take up energy. They actually become a sort of meaningfully bad experience, which means that people complain about them, which means that people sort of react against these movements. Uh, And it kind of gives um, weight to people saying, you know, this is all quite stupid, um, other people would look at that and say, this is a small, easy step that everyone could change. It's great to get people to start changing their behavior in small ways. It started debate, which means that we recognize the importance of, of making good choices. Um, and I, and I can see both sides. And I think, um, you know, sometimes, um, knowing that people are talking about this is always going to be a good thing.
1: Um, can you hear me now? We'll edit this out, but I think I just lost you there for a second.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I can hear you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Yep, all good, all good. Um, One thing I just want to say on the paper straws is I think anyone with kids, regardless of your... uh Environmental uh, ideology they just don't work for two year olds trying to drink smoothies
0: no, yeah, and they a lot of mush these, very quickly yeah, a lot of these things are quite complicated as well, you know like if you actually look at the sort of embodied energy in an e v um, the degree to which it's a green choice varies on a lot of things, and certainly buying a massive e v hummer isn't going to be better than having like a little Fiat Cinquecento. twinta. Um, you know, things like disposable nappies, um, like the, there's lots of research that show that actually disposable nappies are probably better for the environment net, net than the ones you reuse. Um, so yeah, like at some point we should sort of understand the complexity to some of these conversations.
1: Yeah. I guess you're asking for nuance, which, uh, <laughs> maybe that's an, yeah. an old fashioned value.
0: <laughs> yes. It's difficult in the modern age.
1: Yeah. So speaking of the modern age, um, what's your take on, uh, meta removing nfts from uh facebook and instagram uh, the other day and i guess metaverse crypto blockchain more uh, more broadly
0: yeah i think um, i i like to see technology in the context of people um and how people live their lives um i always thought that nfts were a complete waste of time um they seem like an incredibly um inelegant use of a technology, Um, they seem sort of rooted in uh, case studies that were somewhat naive. Um, And I think often this technology is quite pushed, I think, um, you know, the blockchain movement and the sort of crypto movement um, and the VR movement um, have all just been quite lost for quite a long time because they realize that no one in the real world actually sort of cares one iota about their stuff. And I think they they keep on sort of evolving their ethos and evolving their use cases to try to somehow magically create something that people have any desire to do. Um, you know, the metaverse is a good example. I, I don't think there are many parents that wake up today thinking, you know, if any of my kids could spend longer on the internet, um, I don't think <laughs> I don't think there are people looking at their kids on their phones thinking it. You know, wouldn't it be good if their phone was even closer to their face and sort of wrapped around their heads a bit? Um, I think. Um, You know, I think we need a little bit more understanding of what most people's lives are like before we really assess these things. There are probably niches. I think, um, you know, NFTs became a little bit interesting for me as a sort of loyalty card, a sort of loyalty mechanism, especially for something like um, fashion or maybe something like a mobile um operator but then you you ultimately end up thinking well it probably doesn't need to use nfts you know like um air miles have been a very good sort of virtual tokenized currency for quite a long time and they don't need anything like that level of sophistication in the back end um so quite a lot of these technologies i've been a bit miserable about
1: yeah no i think you know we we've been following um uh, the sort of I guess the Web three use case for loyalty specifically, and yeah. you know, I, I guess the big, the biggest example that we've seen in the last six months is Starbucks with a um, a program called Odyssey. And I think you know the sort of the the proof will be in the pudding ultimately. But I think, you know, I think to your point, I think really trying to understand what the uh, what the day to day lives of People going to buy coffee in the morning. Isn't yeah, we it?
0: preach, I always have, is to have one which is not technology first. It's um, We should go into these conversations with enormous curiosity about technology. You know, we should be reading about it all day long. We should be playing with it. We should be buying the first Alexas that get made and testing them. Uh, we should be on chat GPT, having a play around. Um, but ultimately, the process should be, you know, what are we trying to do here? You know, are we trying to make a car that people love more? Are we trying to improve customer service on an airline? Are we trying to cross sell more Samsung products to, to different people? Um, when we have the problem, we need to answer that in full awareness of the technology. But it's a, it's a sort of problem and people first approach rather than, you know, shit, we've got blockchain. What can we do with it?
1: Right, sort of solution uh, looking yeah. for the problem. Uh, speaking, speaking about um, uh, about getting outside and touching grass, uh, so to speak. What do you make of TikTok? Should it should it be banned?
0: Should it um, be banned? I uh, there's there's a lot of naivety I think to conversations about surveillance. Um, realistically, almost all of the surveillance that people seem to be quite worried about, it's capturing data that's probably going to be used to try and sell you some jeans or a toaster um, <laughs> or, you know, to, to sort of track you to see how well their advertising campaigns um, performed. Um, and I personally, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm really naive, but I'm, I'm not really that worried about it. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't really care that much um, if my airline knows where I am because they're about to sort of, you know, look after my life. Um, I think with TikTok, it gets a little bit different because the word sort of China makes everyone freak out. And of all the governments in the world, China right. is by far the most competent enough to actually record data and do something with it. Um, I personally don't think they have sort of particularly malicious um, interests. I don't think they really care what Samantha from Kansas City is doing right now. Um, so I, I, I don't tend to sort of worry that much about the data they track. What I find terrifying and utterly utterly um, scary is that um, we are putting devices in people's hands that turn them into quite sort of morose, um, anxious, um, sort of semi-gormless, sort of trapped people. If you ever look at people on sort of TikTok, you know, they kind of look like they've been sort of put into a trance. Um, and the amount of time that people spend on these devices, I find quite worrying. But I think also the degree to which the um, the, the content can be served in ways that perhaps is not good for us. Um, the most telling thing about TikTok for me is that in China, they limit its use and that they have quite strong control over the algorithms to serve content that they think is somewhat uh, nutritional. Um, that, for me, is is the conversation. Like, How can we ensure that we're using people's um, attention in ways which is a bit more beneficial for them
1: right yeah I, just to close on that point i was listening to a podcast recently and it was a dad saying that you know sort of this this dark moment where he realized that you know his daughter was on tiktok and didn't even smile or laugh anymore as <laughs> as she scrolled through the feed i mean it was yeah, like it, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it sort of it you know just pure i, I mean black mirror you know there's no Absolutely. better no better term for it But so what do you, I mean, what do you make of, you know, what has TikTok done to marketing and, um, I guess, content and storytelling? I mean, you know, how do you sort of see its role in? Um, Probably the,
0: what's not interesting about TikTok is that it's an app and it's got a video on it because that has existed as a sort of canvas for a long time. Um, The thing that's most interesting is that the, the kind of format lends itself to companies completely rethinking their approach to what advertising is. Um, and I find that fascinating. Like pretty much all forms of digital advertising outside of TikTok are basically pre-existing forms of 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 advertising content. Um, so we've taken sort of print ads and we make them a bit smaller and we stick them on Instagram. Uh, we take sort of newspaper ads and we stick them on Facebook, and we think we've understood social media. Um, what was fascinating was that the ad format for TikTok um, so far has not been, you know, you get a 10-second pre-roll. It's been sort of natively made content. Um, and then I think companies have approached it in a much more ambitious and interesting way because it's new. So rather than think, you know, our spokesperson is Ronaldo, let's give him five million quid and tell him to juggle a ball around. People are starting to think, actually, let's work with sort of smaller content creators. Um so I, I think that move towards sort of new native formats is is very very interesting. Um, I think it's a lot harder than people realize, and I think um, I don't know there's a whole conversation to be had about how to advertise on TikTok, and it takes quite a long time. But I think the the, the most important thing is is it, it asks very new and different questions.
1: Yeah, that's it's interesting. You know, speaking about content creators, I think you know one of the last things I wanted to touch on is you know the role of the influencer and. I guess the celebrity. So, uh, I'm sure nobody missed last week, you know, Ryan Reynolds sold another company for a mm. billion dollars. I guess it was a rapper on a, a telco in the U S so, and you know, obviously we're living through the, you know, the Kardashians world. Yeah, living in it. Um, what, what do you, how do you see the role of celebrity in, I guess, brand building nowadays?
0: It's it's very interesting and I'm I'm not sure if I know my my sort of total thoughts on it. I think um there's one school of thought which is just to say, you know, we kind of always had this, you know, baseball cards with Babe Ruth on them in the you know, probably the nineteen thirties. Um this idea of celebrity endorsement in cigarettes and, and so forth. Um I think sort of two things have changed. One is the celebrities themselves have started to build brands. Um so they become so sort of adept at using their distribution channels that effectively they can almost sort of guarantee the success of of anything they may put their, their name behind. Um, you see that a lot with celebrities and, and vodka brands and tequila brands for some reason. Um, right. But, you know, one, the celebrity means they can get more funding and, and two, it means they get access to free media. So you, you're seeing sort of um, influencers start to become brands themselves almost, which I guess we talked about before um and secondly yeah. the sort of dynamics of the industry i think start to change and th- this is where i'm most unsure about you know Shein is a very interesting company because i think they try you know like ten thousand new products every day um and by definition that means no one's really crafting these things or thinking about them they're just thinking you know why don't we have a t-shirt with with someone on a horse on it um why don't we have a fancy dress outfit where someone looks like a cactus um why don't we try like the brightest shade of pink you've ever seen next to green and they're just sort of trying random combinations of things and then whatever gets bought um, they make a lot more of and then you start to think well actually you know who who creates fashion now is it the people making the clothes that are creating the fashion or is it the people that are choosing the clothes that are creating the fashion and how are those people choosing the clothes you know who's influenced them you know, there was a time when sort of Anna Wintour would almost be the queen of fashion and what she decided she liked would then influence other fashion designers that would then sort of, you know, um, echo that. And I think, you know, now, the, you know, who, who now creates the fashion and who influences who, who influences the influencers, you know, maybe traditional media like W Magazine and Vogue still influence the influencers um, and people don't realize it. Um, you know, maybe Kim Kardashian is the new Anna Winter, but who influences her? Um, you know, there are sort of interesting and new dynamics that I think we haven't fully understood yet. Um, and then there's social commerce in a, in a place like China. Um, you know, now, um, you know, advertising is almost turning into affiliate marketing where influencers are not getting paid by brands to promote their products. They're just um, making a sort of cut on everything that they sell. Um, which creates somewhat terrifying images of people walking down streets in Shanghai and seeing sort of endless rows of teenagers sort of dancing in front of phones. Um, but yeah, the, the, these movements are all very interesting.
1: Yeah, I- indeed. So, um, Tom, I thought we could go through some quick fire questions mm. just to wrap up. Quick, quick yeah. answers um, uh, as soon as they come to you. So, um, what's your favorite marketing campaign of all time?
0: um I, I quite liked Mac versus PC because, um, apart from anything else, it was the only digital campaign I ever remember. The only ad that I ever remember seeing digital banners for and thinking they were good.
1: Well, that's interesting. So, I I, I must admit I have uh, fuzzy memories of that. <laughs> but was was that so? Was that not a big? you know, billboards, or no, oh, yeah. I guess it must have been
0: yeah, digital. No, 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 I mean, I can't, it was quite a long time for me as well, but I, I definitely had other elements. Like I'm pretty sure, um, you know, it had a TV ad and sort of big outdoor. I just mean it was the only campaign that I ever remember thinking, oh, wow, they've actually bothered to do something um, in a different digital format here.
1: Yeah. D- did you see that Justin Long switched to the Windows side <laughs> a few weeks ago? No. Which, uh, yeah, that, so he's 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 on the uh, the PC side now, which I mean that says something about something, doesn't it? Yeah. Capitalism something something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me what's the um the best brand in the world right now? Who's doing the best brand work?
0: Hmm. You might have to cut out a long pause here. Um Hmm. You know what, I think um, I've, I've sort of moved away from advertising a bit more in my career, and therefore I don't tend to look at things with the same attention. Um, I think, I don't like. I really can't think of, of anyone to the top of my head. Um,
1: what, what do you make of Oatly? For, for me, Oatly is yeah. an interesting brand. Um, I'd be curious to hear, I, I think, you know, whether you like the product or not, I think sort of from a brand perspective, I think they're a very interesting case. What do you make of Oatly? Um,
0: as a product, I think it's quite bold. Um, I, I personally hate their their advertising strategy, um, which is kind of it, it, like, it's very inside baseball. It, it's very sort of ads for ad people. Um, right. Really, they've been extremely successful um, as a company. And clearly um, a lot of people talk about their advertising. Um yeah, for me, I just find it deeply irritating. Like i I don't think people in the real world care about advertising. I don't think they really like advertising people. Um and for me, to be all about that just seems like a huge disconnect. And it would be interesting to know to what degree has the advertising really helped them? to what degree has it been neutral? To what degree has it actually been um unhelpful, um even though they've grown massively? Um, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of sort of customer centricity. You know, I, I love, um, it's like innocent the way that they used to sort of write copy. Um, for me, our job as advertisers is kind of to get out of the way, I think a little bit more.
1: Right. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, what's the most overrated trend in marketing right now?
0: Um, <laughs> there are so many things. Um, I personally hate this idea of community, um, or sort of loyalty. Um, I think, We need to understand as marketers that we spend all of our day having very weird conversations, and that actually, before you go to work, you are a human being. You know, most people wake up. You know, they're worried their kids are going to be late for school. Um, They um, have massive amounts of washing up to do after breakfast. Um, They're worried that their you know husband or wife or or lover is having an affair. Um, They're terrified about the next sort of bill that comes through the, the mail. Um, They've got like far too many people to reply to on their phones. Um, And then somehow we go into work as those normal humans. And then we have meetings where we talk about how people want to have conversations with brands. And we talk about how, you know, millennials want to be part of communities and that um, younger people have no attention span and that they want to be part of movements. Um, And I think a lot of these conversations are really misunderstood. You know, I I don't think when people join their bank, they want to be part of a community community. Um, I just think they wanna be able to like, you know, pay for stuff and it not get declined. Um, they wanna not be charged if they get into an overdraft. I think there are there are some places where you can do this. And that's that's the sort of the difficulty of advertising is that you know, for a lot of categories I think influencer marketing is a waste of time, but for some it's amazing. Um for a lot of categories brand purpose is a waste of time, but for some it's actually essential because you've got a, a product that's sort of parity with, with others. Um, But generally speaking, I think this move towards community and loyalty is nonsense. Um, You know, uh, loyalty is a human emotion that we we have with other humans. Um, You you may be a frequent purchaser, but that's because of laziness or because they're paying you something.
1: Mm, That's a hot take. That feels like that's a clip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last one, Tom. So what's what's the uh, what's the marketing tactic that no one's talking about that everyone should be talking about right now? Um,
0: I, I really think we have to make it easy to buy stuff. Um, like, it, like, it's extraordinary for me that the default for almost every digital ad is find out more. Um, you know, if, if I see an ad for a really nice car, um, maybe the, the call to action should be click it to book a test drive. Um, if I see a really nice um, sports bag, maybe the call to action shouldn't be to find out more. It's just to buy it. You know, it's 15 quid. Um, I think there needs to be a, two things. One is a massive movement towards um, ads that you can you can do something real with, um, ideally buying. Um, and therefore, advertising almost starts to become the, the placement of a shelf. Um, and almost the opposite to that, I think we need to see more brand building again. I think so much digital advertising is designed um, with the assumption we've got huge amounts of data. We know everything about you. And we're going to perfectly place something which is going to cause you to do something. I think there's a lot of value to ads that are just there to say, "Hey, you know, Coca-Cola is a nice drink." Um, hey, James, you know, Barclays isn't going anywhere soon. It's massive. Um, hey, James, you know, in seven years' time, when you're thinking about buying a car, remember BMW is a really big company that can afford to do wasteful advertising, where all it is is you know the logo. Uh, i think i think the sort of the the maturing of the digital advertising world into more thoughtful ads i think is is a huge thing
1: Mm, yeah i love that i mean that's a big theme that's a big topic we discuss here this idea of you know the obviously programmatic has eaten almost every other form of of advertising and with you know the death of the cookie coming up next year we you know we actually think we're quite optimistic that there will be a sort of almost a renaissance of of brand again yeah which i think is really exciting uh tom maybe that's a good place to uh finish up thank you so much for being a part of the show
0: my pleasure thanks very much james
1: Thanks for listening to the Own The Moment podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss upcoming episodes. And to suggest a guest or provide feedback, please visit our dedicated podcast hub at ownthemomentpod.com.